whenever we started our journey, it was the thought of changing how our family was going to be able to have money later on in life was what inspired me to want to move forward. It wasn't the, yay, I want a budget. That was never like a thing that I wanted to do. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. It was the changing our family tree. It was how much you could invest, how much you could end up changing everything so that way your kids were set up. Hey, this is Allison and welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast where we talk all things budgeting, debt, and saving money. Today, I have a treat for you. Well, I'm not sure that's what you would qualify it as. <laughs> Today, we have Matt, my husband, who I am interviewing somewhat, asking questions. I don't know what you would call it, but what I do know is that I had people on Instagram send in questions that they wanted you to answer, Matt. Some of them are just situational questions about money as a married couple, and some of them are actually about you or us. Well, I'll, I'll do my best not to ruin your airwaves. I think that's <laughs> the way this works. I guess, no, this is the podcast. There's no airwaves, are there? It's just through the internet, I guess. Yeah, and, it is. Okay, well. Matt has some self-deprecating sarcasm that yeah. he loves. Anyway, let's just go ahead and dive in. I have five questions for you sent in from people on Instagram. And yeah, here we go. This one's from Lolly and she says, how do I talk to my spouse about money if they don't like talking about money ever? I think you're going to have to relate it somehow to something that they enjoy. Really? Yeah. So like something that they, that inspires them to want to do stuff. Like so, what? Like say, say you have... A husband. We'll just go with the wife trying to talk to a husband because okay. I'm guessing that's probably where this is coming from, based on the premise around the the question here. Okay. Is so say the husband really, really wants to invest in doing certain activities, such as going to sporting events or being part of a golf membership or being in a in a in a rifle club or something like that. So something that a husband might be really into. Okay. Maybe relating the money aspect into doing these different types of things with the money are going to unlock the ability for us to do these kind of things that you really want to do. Because I, I remember that whenever we started our journey, it was the thought of changing how our family was going to be able to have money later on in life was what inspired me to want to move forward. It wasn't the... Yay, I want a budget. That was never like a thing that I wanted to do. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. It was the changing our family tree. It was how much you could invest, how much you could end up changing everything so that way your kids were set up where they didn't have to pay, for, hopefully not have to do student loans for their own college or being able to just have the opportunity to have a really fulfilling life of retirement later on. All those things were what inspired me to want to do it mm -hmm. as opposed to talking about day-to-day -day type of things. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that idea. And I think what you really hit on was not focusing so much on the details and the day-to-day, -day, but the bigger picture and looking beyond that because some people are details people and day-to-day -day, and that's what helps inspire them to want to make change or do something different. And I'm guessing if someone doesn't want to talk about money, they're probably not going to be a detailed day-to-day -day person. Well, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think sometimes it comes down to trauma from childhood or maybe really 
upbringings that didn't prioritize communicating about money or communicating well in general. And so sometimes it's about not knowing any better or not knowing anything different until you are challenged to think about it differently. And some people just, you know, a wall goes up and they don't want to think about things differently. So because I think you, you're a very open-minded person. So maybe figuring out ways also for for them to be open-minded and just talk about being open-minded and the benefits of it just in general and in life. So I yeah, like- Yeah, I, I mean, I think you've you've hit on this a lot a few times with, with the things I've heard you talk about to people was how to go towards a, a spouse who doesn't want to talk about it is I think you've talked a lot about in the past of that talk about your dreams, mm-hmm. talk about what you want to see in your future, talk about all those things first. Mm-hmm. That needs to be the primer. Uh, you gotta yeah. you gotta prime the pump a little bit before you kind of get in there and start getting into the nitty gritty of things. And honestly, it's probably not uh, in the same conversation. Oh, I like that. Like you know, have that conversation, and then at a later date, come back and say, "Hey, remember when we were talking about X, Y, and Z, and mm-hmm. what we want to do?" Like I, I think I know how we can like take another step closer to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important whenever you're speaking to a male. If you're, because we're appealing to your female are we, audience. Are you generalizing here? I'm generalizing here. I think when you're speaking to a male, and I, this is this is this is based on 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 many things I've read in scientific research. Is males just don't have the word count that a woman has. They just don't. And so the idea of making short, simplified conversations to try to push push you towards that angle is probably a better plan of action than going with the let's have a four-hour conversation about our finances is not going to be advantageous especially if you're talking about someone who's doesn't want to talk about it in the first place so just take little 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 chunks little chunks here and there mm-hmm. and then maybe that makes a difference overall yeah but i'm not a finance expert i'm just um i'm uh, just a husband <laughs> You're not just, you're not just a husband. Okay. So thank you for that one. The next question comes from Grammy.Rosser and she, she wants to know how involved are you in the family financial decisions of our house? We talk about all our financial decisions mm-hmm. as a house. I think there was, and really, but, but I'm the brains behind everything, right? I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, yeah, you put, you put, you definitely put the budget together and you know, we've gotten, we've been doing it for so many years now. It's really, it's, it's not automatic by any means, but it's, it's, it's simpler conversation Mm -hmm. than it used to be. Because we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. Now I will say that whenever we were first getting on the same page with money in general, when we were first learning about budgeting and money, it took us a long time and we would sit there together from start until finish and work on the budget and talk about our future and Mm -hmm. all the things. And it was time consuming. And I will definitely say that after a while, when we got into a groove, you kind of stepped out of that role because it's the details that you didn't enjoy. Yeah. And I think it's also, that may not have been the way we did at the beginning probably wasn't even the best way I would go about it. I think there should be one person who kind of puts it together and says, Hey, these are all the things that are variable. What do you think about all these different things that are variable? Because I think, especially if the person is not detail-oriented and is is not into the budgeting part of it, who's not really into it, then they're probably going to just want to be able to be the 
supervisor, so to speak, be able to check things off the list and go, yeah, that sounds good. You know, and well, I think that's, that's that, what we do now. That's how we do it now. But I that think is. that's, I think if you both sit down and you both dig into it for hours, it's going it, to, that, that is a lot. Well, um, I, and I'm a patient person. So yeah. person who's not a super patient person, that may not be the best mm-hmm. route to necessarily take. It's almost like too many cooks in the kitchen, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think though that at first it's important to to work together on sure. any financial decisions or any any new financial habits. If as long as both people are on board, just so that way you're both looking at it from the same angle and everyone's involved and in the know. And I think that whenever you one person becomes more far removed, if they're not in the know, then their decisions that they're making might not correlate with the family decisions. Yeah. Now I will say you and I don't have that problem because you don't like to spend money. Yeah. So they help me out. But if I, if you were the one doing all the budgeting and you were the details person and I was the one that was just popping in every now and then saying, how's it going? We would be in a world of trouble. Maybe. Yeah. Now I think there was a point where I think we, and I think when you're starting out, this is really good. If t- together between the two of you, maybe come up with like, if you're going to sp- spend this amount of money let's talk about it yes we have that rule we had that rule and i think we still have this rule that rule to this day and i think the rule actually changes a little bit based on how much we see is the money being in control or out of control mm-hmm. you know well, as we means- know allison is a spender <laughs> i was like what he means is-, is is allison's a spender and so sometimes she gets to a point where she wants to just spend and spend and spend and I'm not a spender, so I, I start to feel the uncomfortability with it much quicker than she does. Uncomfortability. Is that a word? Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a word. Uncomfortability. <laughs> and when it comes to Matt's role in the family financial decisions, because that is what this person asked, I would say that it's definitely changed. It, it changes over time. My role is very consistent. Mm-hmm. And I think my role is very consistent because I love the details I love I I love just writing the budget. I I enjoy for the most part tracking expenses. Now are there times whenever life is hectic and crazy and I'm overwhelmed and I hand that off to him, especially with tracking yeah. the expenses? Absolutely. But for the most part, I would say that every time we write a budget, I make it in advance. I will spend time, I will make it, and I will review it with him. And I'll say, "Hey, I need you to look this over or Matt's really great at estimating, like very good at estimating how much gas we are going to need for a budgeting period because he's the one that fills up the car tanks and everything. So I'll revert to you for certain questions. But for the most part, you look at every budget that I write. Absolutely. And there's also, I think if y'all was going to put a name on it, I think I'm more of a supervisory role. Less of it in the in the weeds with it, mm-hmm. and I'm know? in yeah. It's kind of like I make it. I do it as as best as I can. I think it's amazing. But it I also pass, brings her joy to do that. It brings me joy. I pass it off to him, and it's basically like, hey, here's what I have. Do you have any input? Is there anything I'm missing? Like, are, am I missing any harm? Am I missing any holidays or extra expenses? And sometimes Matt will come up with something that I did miss, or sometimes he's like, yeah, this looks great. Way to go. Or he'll say, no, I think we need to increase our gas for the car because remember we're going on this weekend trip so it's definitely like that but in terms of and i think it's important especially when you're starting out you should always have like a rule that somebody has to change something 
Oh yes. Somebody has to change something. If you're if somebody doesn't get to go in and make the whole thing and the other person just goes, yeah. They, if you're really going to do it right, somebody has to change something about and it. Let's it, talk about why. Because the person, I think, because the person who feels like they're doing it all, then it feels like all of the expectations and effort and work is on them. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think that's a great. And then you both have ownership in it. The ownership and accountability goes to both of you, not just mm-hmm. to the person who did the the detail oriented mm-hmm. stuff. Absolutely. And then in terms of bigger picture financial decisions you and i meet every december and we set our yearly goals and then big monthly goals are kind of based off of those yearly goals yeah yeah so we we know what we're working towards together Today's episode is brought to you by my free budget class. This budget class is all about how to write a budget for your best life without giving up your weekly latte runs. In this class, I'm gonna be covering these three massive mistakes that everybody makes with their budget and why they are costing you money. And I'm sharing with you these mistakes so that way you can stop making them. I'll also be sharing with you the secret to finding more money in your budget each month so that way you can do whatever you want with it. And I'll be sharing my four-step framework to budget for your best life without giving up what you love. This class is hands down incredible and it has so much value. You can sign up for it at inspirebudget.com slash free class or just click the link in my show notes. I'll see you there. Okay, the next question comes from Judy Buck and she says, she wants to know, how was your relationship during your debt-free journey? Were there fights, tension, or did the experience draw you closer together? I, I, it's an ebb and flow like every part of marriage. <laughs> there's there's going to be parts of your marriage that are that draw you closer together, and there's going to be parts of marriage that's going to push you further apart. I think I was not super great at being understanding while we were going through the debt-free journey. I, I completely agree 100%. I was very black, not, I, black and white. I was black and white, and you know what? Honestly, that's how I just my that's my personality in mm-hmm. general. I'm just very black and white, and so I wasn't good at saying, "Well, we, our our budget has changed. We can just ebb and flow with it." I'm like, "No, this is what we wrote down. This is what we're gonna do." And I was mm-hmm. I held I, I I tried to hold hold all, Allison's feet to the fire a lot on it, and it wasn't the it wasn't the correct way to do it, and so that pushed us apart or. That created tension. Bites. We did have arguments, definitely, about yeah. money. And, you know, when money is tight in general, it's there are there is going to be more tension. There are going to be more arguments because decisions have to be made. Sacrifices have to be made. And it's what are we sacrificing? And we might not agree on what to sacrifice. So I think that we definitely had that. And I agree. I mean, I do think that there was a learning curve for both of us in terms of how to work alongside someone who sees money very differently. Yeah. Because I always saw money as like, well, we can make more of it. <laughs> yeah. Just, and Matt's like, no, this is what we have. We have to do it this way. Well, there's that. And I I think, and I, I still battle this to this day, is I think I've always had a money scarcity mindset. And I think it's not, ba- I don't know if it's based, it's, I'm not going to blame childhood or anything like that. I think that's just who I am. I think I generally 
try to be, as you can tell from my humor, I'm self-deprecating. So like I, I constantly am, am a little bit hard, too hard on myself. And so then I'm too hard on my money and my finances mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so I've always had, and I battle with it. Um, and it's something I work forward and, and trying to move forward from. And I, I don't know if I would call it, well, no, you do have money scarcity issues, which I think that you are doing well of dealing with them. But I would also say that you're very risk averse. Yeah, I'm not a very risky person. I mean, I've jumped out of an airplane for, uh, for, sky, fun. for skydiving for fun, but that was only because Allison bought it for me. I would have never done it for myself. What? Yeah, I would, I would have never done that for myself. I bought you that because I thought you wanted to go skydiving. I probably, I had the desire to want to do it. I would say that I never would have done it myself. What? Oh my goodness. You want to go bungee jumping? I, I don't know. But the weird part is like I want a motorcycle, which no, is pretty we're not risky. Doing that. We're, so. not doing that. we're not doing that. So, okay. Then uh, fourth question comes from our debt-free story. And this is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful question. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. They ask, how do you support Allison when she is feeling depressed or anxious and wants to shop? So mm. first and foremost, I think that it's important to know that uh, anyone who's listening, I do struggle with um, depression and anxiety, clinical depression. I talk about it more in episode 46, and I talk about how to manage your money when you have depression and anxiety. But you have a role too in supporting me when I do struggle with depression or I am very anxious because I do tend to shop in those times. So how do you support me? Well, I think shaming somebody is definitely not the way to go about it. So I just try to, sometimes it it gets a little bit on the difficult side whenever I, I can see what's happening. And so I have to kind of ease my way into explaining what to Allison what I see is happening. Do But I'm good at seeing it. A lot of times if you're going to approach me, I'm kind of like, I know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I always have to almost talk myself into it a little bit more. Oh, you do? Because, yeah, it's, oh, it, it, well, it's okay. I mean, if you're talking to somebody about their anxiety or their depression or whatever it is, it's a difficult conversation to have. So you don't want to just like say something about it without thinking through everything that you, you want to say to them first. And so mm -hmm. that's what I do is I really try to think about, I've noticed that these things are happening. So what should I talk to Allison? How, how should I say it to her? And so I try to always have a very light hand whenever I say the a great example is a few years ago she was spending a lot of money on Amazon I, w I had to just go out and so I thought through it and I noticed it happening over about a month or so and so eventually I was said Allison I noticed you've been spending a lot of money on Amazon I just want to make sure that you're okay I want to make sure that that you're not just overspending, you know, I think it may be, may, we may be being just a little bit reckless. Do you feel the same way? And so just trying to be a little bit light-handed with it. Now, Allison says, I, I'm very terrible at having light hands. Usually I'm very heavy-handed, even when I think I'm being kind of light-handed. Well, but okay, hold on. <laughs> you're making me sound terrible here. You, Matt is a very blunt person, and he is really good at setting boundaries. And I think that what surprises me is I think a lot of people are intimidated by you. Mm -hmm. You intimidate a lot of people, but you don't intimidate me <laughs> and you never have. So when you say something that might be intimidating to others, I don't take it that way. Like I'm just like, oh, that's just Matt. Like it's not scary. It's not anything. You just, 
say it, but you, you're so kind as well. So I know exactly what Matt is talking about. You're talking about, it was like around Christmas time. Yeah. And I just get into these, I get into these cycles where I will spend money and sometimes it doesn't have to do with depression and anxiety. No, sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it. I think. Well, maybe I, I usually get there, but I remember I told Matt, I think it was last year around Christmas time. I told you, I am craving spending money. Like my mm. body craves it at times. And I remember standing in the bathroom and you were having a conversation with me and all I could think about was shopping. Mm. Like I had tuned you out and I'm having this internal battle in my mind of, I just want to go buy this thing. I just want to go shop on Amazon. I just want to do this. But I, oh my gosh, I have to focus on Matt. I have to talk to him. And I remember stopping you and saying, I like, like my body is craving it. And you were like, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> this is also what it's like when you have a conversation with me during a Cowboys game. Exactly. This is what's going on in my head. I'm there thinking about what's going on in the game. There you go. You're having your own conversation back there. There you go. Me. Exactly. But, but what about, I have a question then, but you know that whenever I am depressed or anxious, we are going to spend more money in general because when I am depressed or anxious, regular everyday tasks are difficult for me. Sure. Yeah. Like IE cooking dinner. So when I am going through depression or anxiety, I know we spend more money, especially like bouts of it, which thankfully hasn't happened in a while, but there are times when that does happen and I know we'll go out to eat more or we'll order more food and we do end up spending more money because I can't bring it to myself to cook. And you're racing home kind of trying to make sure everything's okay at home if you know I'm struggling. So how do you deal with that and just knowing that that spending is going to well, go I up? I think that that relates back to my love language, I think. Because my love language is, mm -hmm. is acts of service. So mm -hmm. when Allison's down or anxious or whatever the case may be, if she's in, an, in, a, in a more intense emotional state, then that's the time I kick into high gear and I just do everything. I just, yeah. I'll make sure the kids get to bed on time, make sure the kids are getting in their bath. I'll make sure that the, I'm working on homework with the kids. I'll make sure that I cook the dinner. I'll make, I mean, I'll just tr try to just do everything and I'll just let Allison kind of be in her emotional state. And then because I struggle so much with being empathetic as a person. <laughs> so because of my struggles with being able to, feel empathy for other people the i feel like the best thing i can do is just take things off of another person's plate and then you're um, like call your mom <laughs> so i would say well i'm i would say i'm i'm emotionally intelligent so i can tell when other mm -hmm. people are are going through an emotional thing but i can't feel their emotions with them i don't understand their emotions with them i don't know why they're feeling the way they mm -hmm. feel but i know what i can do is I can do a bunch of things because I'm a doer. So I can do a bunch of things mm -hmm. for them so they can move their way through their emotional state. That, mm -hmm. And that's what I do with Allison. I just move through the emotional state. I, I figure out what I can take off her plate and I just do it. And those those are the times when I feel like I'm doing... That's whenever I feel like I'm being a good husband. You are! But, I don't, but honestly, I may not be doing everything that I can do for her. No, I mean, I but, have therapy. I have a therapist that helps me work through. But I'm working anything. towards my. I'm I'm using my strengths. Yeah. And my and empathizing and and talking through people's emotions is not a strength for me. That's my number one strength. Right. So. Yeah. You have to go with what your strengths are. <laughs> so. And don't try to be me because you. No one's going to be me. You, you just you got to figure out what mm -hmm. your strengths are and then 
using your strengths, then support your spouse mm-hmm. whenever they're going through depression or anxiety mm-hmm. and figure out what your strengths can do for them. Yeah. And then realizing that when it comes to spending money, like we just know that if that happens, we're going to be spending more money. And that means that we might spend, send less money to savings that month. And we just have to be okay with it. Or we take money out of savings if we need to. We just, we do what we can for us to be healthy, physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. Yeah. And eventually it'll, it'll come around. What does that mean? Like <laughs> the ball's going to drop, Allison. You're going to get no, depressed no, that's again. Not what it is. No, it's just that <laughs> it's like eventually, you know, you'll move out of that state yeah. and you'll move on, move into a more healthy state. And it's just, is you just have to be patient and wait for it. Mm-hmm. How often do you feel like this happens with me? Probably twice a year. Really? Yeah. I think it's about twice a year. When was the last time? Um, I felt like it started happening a little bit recently, but what? <laughs> what? It, and, but I'm also, or, I'm also pretty good at talking you through not doing things. What too. are you talking about? Is it because I'm, I've been spending money for Christmas? Cause that's not, that's different. No, no, don't, don't worry about it. Just, it doesn't need to be aired right here on your podcast. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're going to move on to the last question then. Wait, this, oh, really? Yeah. This is the last question. I have five oh. questions for you. Oh. Okay. This one comes from Megan D087. And actually, her and someone else asked the same question. And it is, how did you meet? Oh, we met through online dating site. Back when it wasn't cool back or when it, acceptable. Back whenever you were the, uh, you were the black sheep, if you, had, if you were using an mm-hmm. online dating site. And so it was called OkCupid. Okay it was 2010. Yeah, 2010. That's In right. 2010, we met online and... Like I said, it was, I remember my mom was like, you're going to do that? I mean, it was shady back then. Well, but I didn't, I didn't it, tell, it came I didn't, off as shady. I guess it came off as shady, but I also thought it was probably a more efficient way to meet somebody and be able to see their interests prior mm-hmm. to getting to know, prior to like meeting them in real life. Matt's like, I don't want to have to meet someone and pay for dinner if I don't, if I think it's not going to work. It's true. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's. That's pretty accurate because you know I was a poor teacher, so I couldn't afford to go on dates like crazy. I went on a few, but you, you have you dated so many girls. You went on a date the day before me. I did, yeah. I went on a date the day before you. It was yeah. not good, but yeah, that's we met online. Mm-hmm. We then, messaged back and forth for you know maybe a week or yeah. so, and I sounded pretty charming online, and then in real life. <laughs> That was another disappointment. <laughs> no, <So>. stop. <laughs> stop. We met online. We met at a restaurant in Dallas. What was it called again? It was called Campeses. Campeses off of, off of Mockingbird. Mockingbird Lane. Mockingbird Lane. And we went there and then we drove our separate cars to a like it was a, it was ice a, cream, it was a Yo- yogurt. Fro- frozen yogurt place. And that was your idea. You said, because one of my questions that I always asked about was I my I, I had I had weird theories yes. at this time super, in my life. Super weird theories. So one of my weird theories was that I thought you would not be a good partner to me if you did not enjoy the taste of cheesecake. And she suggested on the first date that we went to a, a yogurt shop that had cheesecake flavored yogurt. Mm-hmm. So that's where we went. And yeah. we went there. Yeah, it was fun. And then everything kind of moved fast after that. I mean, Matt knew right away. I did. Yeah. I said I went home and played games with my friend. Like who video, video, video games. games with my best friend, which I still do to this day. But I, that 
I don't do it every day, but at the time I was pretty, we were pretty much doing it at least several days a week. Mm-hmm. And I said that I, if she would have me, <laughs> I was, that was the girl I was going to marry. That's what I said on that first night whenever we were, we were video gaming together. And of course it was all dependent on Allison actually believing the same thing that I believed, which took her a little bit further to go around. Cause like I said, I was impressive online, but in person, <laughs> I left a lot to be desired. You were wonderful. (laughs) So that's how we met. We ended up getting married a a little over a year after that. A year in, I don't know, we met April 2010, got married July 2011, and then had a baby nine months later. Yep. So that that was hard, I will say. Having, like, I feel like we didn't get to enjoy that newlywed time where you can travel and do all these things because we were just really thrust into parenting so quickly and you were so busy at work. Yeah. So I feel like you and I are kind of making up for lost time now. And I won't really say lost time. We're just trading off. So I do feel like you and I take more trips together now. Now that we, you know, we have two sets of very active and helpful grandparents for the kids. So now that we have grandparents that can kind of watch the children, we're able to get away and experience those things that we probably would have done beforehand. Yeah. The coolest part is we had kids early. So that means that they'll be out of the house pretty early too. Yeah. Unless, so we'll unless to have, we have another one. Which is not possible for me. So <laughs> Are we airing not that? To, not to are airing we, that into let we, everybody know that. Are we putting that out there? Shooting blanks here, guys. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, I never know what he's going to say whenever I have him on for any type of interview. Matt, you know better than ever that the at the end of every episode where I have a guest, I like to ask three questions. So don't think too too much about these but the first one is what is one thing you're looking forward to i am looking forward to going hawaii with the kids uh over the summer mm-hmm. I, I remember going do i get to go yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we uh we we went to last time we went to hawaii was on our honeymoon and we really enjoyed hawaii and obviously it's a kind of a place that's like unlike any other at, at least as far as we've gone to and I think the cool part is now that our kids are old enough, when we take trips with them, we can do things they've never really done before. Like this year was really cool with that when we went to Disney World and then we went to Canada mm-hmm. uh, over the summer with the boys. I mean, that was that was cool and really different. Mm-hmm. And when they were young, you really couldn't do that. So now they're... Well, you could take them to Disney World when they're young. Yeah. But we had no money when they were really young. That's true. That's true. But also... <laughs> Now, when you take them to Disney, they can go and they can just ride rides yeah. all day long. You yeah. don't have to do the whole nap time in the middle mm-hmm. of the day or anything. So now they can they can just go and go and go, and, and that's pretty cool. And that's yeah. pretty and they, and they can be in, in an amusement park and really have amusement the mm-hmm. whole time they're there. And they can pretty much do everything with that they want to do, mm-hmm. which is fun. But also now going to Hawaii will be cool because we can kind of do. All the different things that are there because yeah. the kids can swim. The kids can both swim really well. They mm-hmm. they obviously can kind of just do their own cool thing on the beach while you and I just sit there and 
be like the the parents sitting there with my our mimosas watching the kids on the on <laughs> in like the this. sand, you know? That that's kind of fun because yeah. we're, cool. we're a little notorious for not like doing tons of relaxing on our family vacations. Yeah. We're very adventurous, I would say. Like we're gonna I can't wait when we go to Hawaii, we're gonna take that helicopter ride. Yeah. I need to book fun. that. I need to book that. Okay, so question number two is what's one money mistake you've made that you would tell everybody to avoid? Student student loan debt. Okay. I mean, I think student loan debt is, <laughs> like, I, would, I would say if there's a way for you to work your way through school without taking student loan out, student loans out, then I would do it. Well, I, would, I would say that you, if you or at least try to lessen your student loan debt mm-hmm. as much as you can before you get out of school. Yeah. Well, because it's a, lot, it's a lot to try to catch up on. And now, obviously, I don't know what student loan stuff is like now. It's way different now than it was whenever we were going through school. And I will say, I felt like my student loan debt was overwhelming whenever we were going through school. I can only imagine how difficult it is for people now. Well, you had a ton of student loan debt. Yeah, I like, did. I think they just sat you down and they were like, this is what we'll offer you. And you took the full amount. Whereas... I, whereas, you know, I think my mom sat me down and said, this is what they're offering you, but you don't need this much. So you, so I will say that I can understand why you feel that way because you graduated with a significant amount of student loan debt for your career, just for being a teacher. So yeah. you're, you're almost like student loan debt to income ratio was just out of, out whack. of whack. Yeah. It's like you, you needed more money coming in for that to be a little more realistic to pay off. So I can see why that was overwhelming for you. Yeah. Okay. Okay, last thing, which isn't a question at all. Just finish this sentence. My favorite thing I've ever spent money on is... On the baby bills for the kids. The baby bills? Yeah. For paying for the hospital bills for the kids to be born. That is so lame. Are you serious? Why is that lame? We spent a lot of money on those kids. That is like a... Your favorite thing is a bill that you've ever spent money on. Well, I mean, forget I wouldn't about, have my children any other way. I guess they would have come out with Forget about my engagement it. ring. Forget about this amazing house we live in. Forget about the truck that you have that you love so much. Forget about, like, I mean, everything that you enjoy. Hospital bills. Well, I got two pretty awesome kids out of it. So well, I think that's a pretty good bill to be paying. Yeah, but you would have gotten them if we didn't go to the hospital. I, it's not like you only received the children but because... Hey, if, hey, here's the beauty is I got to have them out of the hospital, but I also got to take my children out of the hospital, but I also got to take my, take my beautiful wife out of the hospital too because we spent the hospital bills. What is that supposed to mean? Your delivery was kind of difficult, so yeah, I mean, it, it would have been harder to have both of you if there wouldn't ha- went for the hospital. That's true. So I, I say the hospital bills are one of my favorite thing I've spent okay. my money on. Yeah. Well, I, we haven't, I haven't actually like publicly talked about how... Well, you don't have to traumatize. We'll just say it was a difficult, difficult delivery. It was a difficult delivery, and we were told that unless we had a C-section, I wouldn't live. Basically, yeah, right? That's yeah. basically what we or were told. One of the two of you. One wouldn't. of the two of you. No, she said I can save the baby, but I can't save you. Yeah, something like is that. It's basically yeah. what she said. So, well, on that happy note. Well, okay, <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, if you want me to say something different, no. I mean, I do, but I won't make you. So kind of feels like you want to make me. No, it's okay. Oh, okay. Thank you for joining for joining me on the podcast. I know that uh, this is out of your comfort zone, so I appreciate you stepping out of your comfort zone to join us. Yeah. So my name is Paul. What? My name is Paul. 
No. If anybody's curious. No, it's not. Matt, <laughs> Matt is a very private person. And one time there was an article written about our family and they named the husband Matt. They got Matt's name wrong and they said Patrick. Patrick? Oh. Patrick. Oh. And so Matt said, I like that. <laughs> I want them to always give me the wrong name. Patrick Baggerly. Yes. That's so right. they... They gave him like remember it was Paul or it Patrick was Patrick or, Peter or whatever it was. Maybe yeah. it was Peter. I don't remember. It was nothing close to Matt, and that is why Matt said that. I feel like I have to tell these these weird inside joke stories because he's a very private person. So the fact that we're here recording a podcast together, wrote a whole book about our, our life, and thank you. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will be back next week with a brand new episode. I can't wait to see you then. Bye for now. Goodbye.